Welcome back. Thanks for joining me and Collins for another episode of the Leaders Who Love What They Do podcast. I'm delighted to have Adam Williams with me today. Adam is passionate about technology and how it can positively impact the way we live and has spent over 20 years working in the technology industry. He's a highly experienced commercial leader who has worked for Samsung and Sony, where he led sales, marketing strategy and organisational transformation across a range of product categories. He's currently Chief Commercial Officer at Lightwave, a leading smart home automation manufacturer, so truly working at the cutting edge of technology that is changing our lives. Welcome, Adam. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Hello, Anne. It's great to, great to be here. I know that, uh, that although technology is a passion for you, uh, leadership is also a passion and you've had many years of experience of leading teams and you've taken many opportunities yourself to develop your leadership skills with a lot of training and coaching and you lead a large team at the moment. Now, one of our listeners who reviewed our last episode used the phrase modern leadership in the context of a leader showing empathy and demonstrating concern with the well-being of people in their team. So my first question in at the deep end, I would be really interested to know what's modern leadership for you? Uh, thanks. Yeah, great question. I mean, um, I, I think your former uh, participant is absolutely on the money. That that word empathy is an extremely powerful and emotional intelligence is at the heart of this. Um, for me, that what the term modern leadership conjures up as, as distinct from perhaps, you know, management styles and, and culture, you know, in, in previous generations of business, it's, it's fundamentally about empowering others through inclusion the right levels of support uh, married with accountability to generate a culture of mutual trust and respect, not just between yourself and the team, but within the team and for that team and, you know, other, other groups around the business or, you know, just as importantly, obviously, uh, with, with partners and, and customers and clients outside the business. Um, what do I mean by that? I really, truly, I mean, authentic inclusion. So that is inclusion in what the mission of the business is, being sincere with people and having them connect with what it is they do every day and what they bring and what value they bring with the mission of the company. And then within that team, inclusion right at the conceptual stage um, where you're even forming those objectives um, and getting that buy-in to the mission that then flows into the formation of initiative-based working around you know those those key objectives you know within a tech company that's very fast paced within a startup particularly it's it's all the more vital that that team's able to be agile um, and so you've got to get them involved at the planning stage um, and, and then all the way through and then your job as a leader really it's about enabling and removing barriers much more than it's about the hierarchical command control structure um, or you know performance management in that in, in that more traditional sense of course those things still apply but it requires you know I think a more immersed and engaged um, uh, approach is that is um, that just because you're in a technology industry where you're really at the cutting edge of, of change or do you do you feel that 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 is useful across the, across the board I think it's useful across the board I mean without doubt every industry has its 
different context and variables, etc. And they'll they'll be structured in different ways and at different levels of management style and advancement. And I wouldn't pretend that the technology industry is the most advanced or or necessarily getting it all right. But what it does do because of the pace of things um, is it drives a much sharper focus on what's going to work. And, you know, the, these terms that come out like fast fail, you know, which is very much a technology industry term that's cascaded elsewhere, those sorts of things, um, you know, you, you live and die by them because it's not about not making mistakes. It's actually about making lots and lots and lots of calculated you know, uh, 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 bets, if you like, um, that, that you're then able to learn and move forward from, um, accelerate the things that work and, and shut down the things that don't very, very quickly. And so you need a team dynamic and you need leadership that, that enables agility within the teams because, you know, that, that it's not enough to say, well, this person's job is digital marketing and this person's job is client management. And, you know, you've got to bring those people together and say, well, our mission is, you know, to, to expand our proposition into, you know, the pro channel or, well, and that's, a, I'm using a real example from Lightwave. And you've got to get everybody bought into what does that actually mean? And then allow them to interpret, well, okay, if that's what we're trying to achieve, what creativity and value can I bring that's more than just, it's the sum of the parts thing. It's more than just, oh, well, my job's to switch the website on on the right day. It's, no, 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 it's much deeper. And you see, you get a much stronger buy-in to the success of the company as a result of that. Um, and also it means that you should celebrate success. Of course you should. That's a, that's an, that's a fundamental part of this. But you should also celebrate what I call glorious failure, uh, which sounds counterintuitive, but, but what we're talking about is if somebody dared to try something, if they controlled the risk around that sufficiently, and if we took some great learning from that, then actually that's a success, even if financially it didn't necessarily pay off or give the return on investment that you wanted, because you, you then apply those learnings to A, to avoid those errors in the future, but B, to everything else that you're doing to be more effective. So actually, and what it does is it removes the fear around failure. And the reason why that's necessary is firstly, fear of failure is the enemy of creativity, number one. And secondly, what happens if you create a judgmental leadership style is that people simply hide failure and they don't like admitting they don't know. And I've sat on plenty of senior teams where I've never heard the three most important words in the English language, you know, rather than I love you, it's, it's I don't know. You don't get enough of that authentic courage in, a, in, in leadership teams to say, that's a really great question that we don't know the answer to. So, so let's now go work on that. So this whole philosophy of, you know, servant leadership, work, you know, enabling your team and saying, removing the fear of failure creates a much braver, much more agile and this sort of fast fail, fast succeed, you know, agile culture yeah mm. that, that's what that. modern leadership is to me anyway Oh, fab fabulous! Absolutely brilliant, and and I can see how that is useful across uh, across all sectors. It's not just technology. Therefore, yeah. it's uh, it's empowering, as you say, in that agility and creativity. But especially also this uh, this time in twenty twenty, that's more than uh, it's so important, more important than ever before, maybe. Oh, absolutely. So you know, people talk about coronavirus and you know creating a new norm, and we have the climate crisis and 
you know, we've got Brexit going on here. We've got political turmoil as well. You know, the situation in the US, a lot of divisive politics around the world, all of these things all coming together at once. It's almost like a perfect storm. But the reason why I'm hopeful is, and you know, this term, you know, new norm. And what's the role of technology in all of this? Of course, this is a question I ask myself more than once a day. You know, what can we do? What's the, what's the positive impact we can have? And the reason I don't like the term a new norm uh, is because it suggests that we're going to establish a new status quo that's normalised again. And, and we don't live in that world anymore. What, what's actually happening is that, you know, coronavirus around the world, what, it's accelerating trends that were already there. So the shift to online shopping, um, you know, Prime Day, I think is probably going to be the biggest Prime Day ever. I don't, I don't know that yet, but, you know, it looks absolutely huge. I think Black Friday is going to be colossal this year. You know, so in terms of the way consumers are shopping and, and but certainly in my sector, you know, buying into technology, those sorts of things, you know, those sorts of trends, understanding, it's not understanding, well, what, what's the, 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 a perfect phrase, sorry, a perfect um, quote, I, my, one of my favourite quotes of all time, is a guy called William Gibson, 1996, I have to credit him, said the future's already here, it's just unevenly distributed. You know, so when you work in technology, you work in any industry, stop trying to predict the future and start trying to work out what's going on now that's dry, really driving things. And then you start to understand in these, instead of, you know, looking at it as, oh, we're living in these incredibly tough, but hopefully temporary times, which is true. What we should all be doing is saying, you know, we live in these incredibly uh, dynamic and disrupted times and we're facing enormous adversity and challenges. But then people always have, you know, there have been wars, there have been other you know, pandemics, etc. It's how we respond as societies and individuals to that. And within companies, the role of leaders is to make that, you know, connection between what's going on in the wider world and society and what the mission of the company is and making sure that the people that are in your organisation are, you know, very well supported, you know, so yeah. yes, a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And uh, when I spoke to you recently, you said that companies are generally measuring time and money in order to calculate value. And if I stood, understood you correctly, you said that this is the wrong currency and that energy is what we should be looking at. I'm really interested in that. Can you explain yeah, that to us? Sure. Um, so I want to qualify it slightly, which is to say it's not to say that, you know, money is the wrong currency for a business. Um, what I'm saying is they just shouldn't be the only currencies or even the primary way to measure the value of people in a company. You know, it, 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 it's a, for me a very outdated idea that, you know, in a hierarchical structure, you're judging productivity by, you know, how hard people work or how many hours people work and, and what, the, what the financial outcome is. Um, yes, you are a business. You need to measure money. Of course you do. Um, and you need to measure operational KPIs to ensure optimal business performance. So people develop balanced scorecards, dashboards, you know, for their businesses. But you shouldn't do the same with people, or at least not in the same way. With people, you need to measure engagement. You need to measure things like creativity and, and, and positive contribution. And the operational KPI for people is energy, not time. So you know, and energy can be defined and measured in several ways. You know, you say, well, that's all very well, Adam. That sounds very cool and trendy, but how do you actually measure that? You know, there are, I'll do some plugs here for guys like John Gomes at DPA with, wrote, wrote a fantastic book with, uh, with a guy called Tony Schwartz that, that was called The Way We're Working Isn't Working, um, you know, and, and building really meaningful scorecards that, that operational managers and leaders can actually apply around how you bring, you know, 
staff engagement to the fore and how you structure that and measure that. And again, it's got to be absolutely authentic. As a leader, you should be thinking about whether you're unlocking the energy of your teams from, for example, going back to the point I was making earlier, are your team really truly informed? Do they feel informed and empowered by that information about what the situation for the company is, where it's trying to go, what its strategy is, how that connects with their role and how they can contribute beyond just showing up every day and doing what's on their to-do list. Do they feel empowered to do that? Do they understand and buy into the mission? Can they translate that mission into their role? Are they able to be creative within that and to own the challenge and the solution? Um, is success celebrated? And is it really celebrated? Not just here's a bottle of champagne for our salesman of the month. You know, that, that that's good. I'm not saying take that stuff away. I'm saying, you know, are you as a team really planning your celebrations and your success in and that people feel, you know, part of the success story of the company and there's a connection? So what I think is really interesting about what you're saying is about the measurement when you're measuring engagement. In fact, what it seems to me is that you're measuring the quality of leadership, actually, because a lot of what you're saying there is about what the leader needs to do. So it's not the it's not what the people in the team do. It's actually you're measuring what the leader does. Oh, a hundred percent. And, you know, there's this term that might be a little bit out of um out of mode now, a few years ago, this, this term was coined and became very popular around so-called servant leadership. Um, but I, I absolutely believe in the core principle that's behind that, which is, you know, my staff do not come to work to glorify me as the leader or to, to help me get to my next stage in my career and, and, and my jobs to, you know, whip my, whip my team along so that I, you know, so that I can advance. My role is to enable the team to achieve personal and collective goals and growth. And if you unleash that, that potential through authentic engagement, um, you know, an enablement for them to, to, to bring more, to be creative and to see the, to celebrate that, um, actually your job as a leader gets an awful lot easier in one sense, but, but, it, but it shifts your role, but you have to authentically care. You know, so you're looking for leaders that have genuinely got emotional intelligence who actually you know, they haven't learned to care for their staff. They, they, they you know, that they, they genuinely do. So things like work-life balance uh, uh, as a concept, it's kind of gone out the window with coronavirus or it's been completely shifted in its, you know, in its framing. Um, but, you know, that, that, that's absolutely vital. So I was very fortunate that quite early in my career, I'll never forget, you know, an inspirational boss that I had. And again, I'll name him, a guy called Cyrus Richardson, who's a a New Zealander who was at Sony at the time, um, you know, and I once said, look, is it okay if I take the afternoon working from home? And this is before working from home was even a thing uh, because we had a washing machine guy come. And he just looked at me like I was crazy for even asking. He said, Adam, he said, you know, you, you're one of my best guys. And as long as, you know, you, 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 you know, you nail the, 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 the mission here, as long as we get the job done, you, you can work on the moon as far as I'm concerned, you know, just be where you need to be. Take care of your family because without a washing machine, you know, life at home gets really difficult really quickly. So go take <laughs> care of that. You know, and I've always had that. That's one silly little example. But, you know, even now I don't check. I have daily calls with my team because we're all spread all over the country. We're not coming into the office every day, but I'm not having those calls to check in on whether or not they've got out of bed and they've started work that day. I'm genuinely checking in. We're all checking in to say, 
hey, are you okay? You know, we spend half of the call every time, you know, checking out what's going on with people and just getting the temperature. And then we get into, you know, okay, what's got to happen over the next couple of days? Yeah. In fact, as, as well as doing the, the checking in and looking after looking after your team, really, and caring about your team, what you were just saying before that I'm interested in, because it seems to me that you are actually coaching your team. You're leading, but you're coaching. Um, that's a very, very good point. Yes. So what, what is I've always struggled with what you know, what the word leadership truly means, um, because. I, I, and I've had the great fortune working in large corporations to get a lot of, you know, executive uh, support and development and help. And we've done a lot of, you know, these sorts of psychological tests and whatever. And, you know, you're either the kind of guy that says, right, men, line up. Uh, and when I blow this whistle, you're going to charge at the enemy. Or you're the kind of person that says, hey, you know, we've got this challenge. You know, we need we need we need to get over there. We need to win this battle or whatever it is. Uh, these are my ideas. This is what good looks like. This is the objective. Now, you know, how are we going to do that? You know, and you'll have a guy in that team who's absolutely brilliant at certain things or thinks a certain way. You'll, you'll have people that are very people orientated and they'll say, well, you know, we've got to make sure everybody's on board and got consensus. You'll have very action orientated people. I'm a very action orientated person. So I'll be the guy that says, right, I'm going to leap out of this trench and charge at the enemy. Is anybody with me? And, but I've got to be self-aware of that. But I've got to be aware of the other members of the team that are, that are like that. And you'll have very data driven and analytical people who are often very quiet and they're not quiet because they don't have any ideas. You know, they're not quiet because they want others to lead. They're, they're, they're quiet because they're really thinking about it and they're not ready to move until they've got the data straight in their own head that says, yeah, logically, that's the right thing to do. So you've got to get them all on board. You've got to get all of those different characters and profiles on board. So, yes, that is coaching. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's about um, understanding the, the, the fit and, and how people approach a problem. And, and I come back to this point, if I may emphasize you know, rather than seeing the world solely as an organization chart and people have certain job titles and job roles and certain deliverables to achieve, none of that goes away. That's all still there. But the, the leadership culture that, that needs to engage all of those staff and, 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 and drive that as a team, to me, is about mission-based, you know, having initiatives that say, okay, over the next six months, what will make the difference between okay or surviving and thriving or really step out success most leaders can identify probably three to five things if they've got 20 then no they haven't not really you know they can probably identify a handful of things that they say yeah you know and examples in lightwave today are you know we we have made over the last 12 months a profound shift and i mean a 70 75 percent shift from very much a consumer end user retail focus as a business to very much a pro trade business. And what goes with that is a whole bunch of things around training a whole national network of installers with professionally certified qualifications, um, creating subscription services, doing a whole bunch, you know, standing up wholesale partnerships, you know, a whole bunch of other things that go with that. But by engaging my team and saying, okay, I want to pull my e-commerce guy in with my wholesale guy. When these guys first came in, they were kind of like, why am I joining a meeting with Simon? He does wholesale. What's that got to do with my e-commerce business? You know, whatever. And you get them in and you say, right, this is what we're trying to do. And we're going to have to mobilize every part of the business. And I want you to think about this. What actually happens is 
when you're not there, a great test of leadership is what's happening when you're not there. If people are only contributing when you're sat looking at them, then you're, you're a failure as a leader. And what happens is they go away and they come back with stuff that you hadn't even thought of. Or if you had, you hadn't necessarily pushed it onto them. It's come from them. So it's about creating. It's like demand led rather than, you know, push. It's pull. It's how do you get people into that way of thinking, right, I'm a leader within the business myself. I'm part of a leadership team on this initiative, this mission that we've got. And, and, and then, you know, bringing that back to the table. And as a, as a leader, then you're a facilitator. You're a coach, a mentor, and a facilitator. You're there to enable. You're there to hold accountable. That is still there. And you're there to remove barriers. That's brilliant. Thank you, Adam. Well, I'm just going to ask you a final question. Do you have a top tip for other leaders? Love what you do. I think Steve Jobs said it better than I just have, and I'm not even going to pretend to compare myself. Um, but you can, you know, middle-aged managers like me, you know, does that mean that we realise we've wasted our career and we've got to go and, you know, open a, you know, a, a kibbutz or whatever? No, I'm not talking about that authentic, you know, realisation of what your life purpose is about. You can find value and purpose in many things. You don't need to find the cure to global warming, although it'd be nice if you could help make a contribution <laughs> or a vaccine for coronavirus uh, or whatever to have a purpose. Find what it is you love. And that might be in nurturing the talent in others, creating something new in the world on whatever scale or simply putting food on the table. Um, but love what you do and define the purpose of your work as a leader. Otherwise, you cannot be a great leader. Everything comes after this. It's not the only thing, but it is my the first thing in my mind, which is why it's my top tip, as you as you say. And then be brave. And what I mean by that is communicate your purpose, share more with your team what you're about and share more than your instincts. My other might feel natural for you. Um, and then I think you're heading towards being a great leader because other people will trust you more. Other people will be more transparent and open about what their own purpose and motivations are in life. And if you tune into those and demonstrate that you care about those and that you're there to help enable those things for people while they're at work, but also for them holistically, their well-being and their success and growth then I think you're starting to become a great leader. And I am, I'm not there yet myself. I have to say, I've said a lot of stuff on this call as if I'm some guru and I'm not. We're all learning, uh, you know, every single day. So I think that's my answer. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Well, that absolutely speaks to this podcast, Leaders Who Love What They Do. And I right. says, as I said in my introduction, uh, yeah. that, I, that I got that from Steve Jobs. And uh, yes, it absolutely resonates. Thank you so much, Adam. If Good. listeners wish to contact you, Adam, how can they find you? I know you're on LinkedIn, so I'll put that link on. Yeah, that's on a really good question. Notes. So my name's, my name's Adam Williams, Chief Commercial Officer at a company called Lightwave. So you fish around on LinkedIn, you'd find me quite easily. That's probably the best way. 
Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Adam. You've given such a lot to to all of us here and so much to think about and about how we frame leadership and how we value people. And that's absolutely the heart at the heart of, of what you do. So thank you so much. And thanks to our listeners for joining us. For more information about Adam, please visit my website, bluebottlecoaching.com. I'm getting some wonderful reviews and feedback. So please keep your comments and questions coming. They're great. There you can also subscribe for free, no less, to my mini magazine, Lead On. If you're a leader and would like to learn how to love what you do, pop over there and download your copy. A quick shout out to Jens Schaller, who gave me a bit of training yesterday on how to improve the quality of my audio on this podcast. So thanks to him. I'll put a link to him too in the show notes. This is Anne Collins. Thanks so much for joining us and for listening. And do join me again soon to meet another inspiring leader who loves what they do. Goodbye.